Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Uh, when I was in high school, we, had a, we were part of a small church, and we had a guy who played tuba actually for the Southern Marching Band, so he was like a legit tuba player. And for some reason, we thought it was funny to, what we would do is go to our pastor's house at like 2 a.m., uh, is 100% true, and we would knock on the door and wait for him to come, and then we'd blow the tuba as loud as we could and run down the street. <laughs> so here's the thing. As our church is growing, please don't do that to me. I promise it will backfire. Somehow his wife thought that was cute. My wife would not think that's cute, and uh, I would be in trouble for a really long time if you blew the tuba at my house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. Oh, gosh, now I'm nervous. Come do the flute or something. Just don't do the tuba. Yeah, no, it's cool. Thanks, Mike and Amber, for doing the worship trials. It's going to be, be a whole lot of fun. Um, I've been doing forms of yoga and Pilates now for a couple years, and so I actually know what all of those materials are, and I'm really excited about Nourish. Um, I'm probably the least flexible person in the room, but I do uh, I try my best um, to be as flexible as I can. I did not grow up flexible, but it's going to be fun. So um, just, gonna, just so everyone has an understanding of that, it's going to be a couple-hour event. There is going to be child care, something that Brittany and Leah, and I think Maria, is helping out with it too. Um, we're going to have a time of just kind of soaking with God, going through the Word, and also doing different forms of exercising with yoga and Pilates. So guys, you are invited as well. So don't, don't, don't forget about that. And with child care on a Saturday to hang out and do some Holy Spirit yoga, can't beat that, right? It's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm um, just excited about everything going on. Well, awesome. I think I know everybody in the room. If I don't, my name is Landon Snow. I, I was curious of who was going to show up today on a rainy Mardi Gras weekend, and you're the ones who showed up. So really appreciate it. If it's just your first time, thanks for being here. Um, welcome, welcome to the family. Um, we've been on this sermon series on community uh, one of our core values here is to celebrate everyone's value and significance. And as we continue to grow, as our church be- continues to grow, as our community begins to continue to grow, there's just a couple of key pillars that we feel like are necessary for us to just all be established in, in order to have a thriving community. It's not easy to have a thriving community. Relationships are hard. Relationships are messy. Community is not the most simple thing to do. We're human beings. We're filled with errors. We're filled with emotions, and it's not always going to be the most simple thing. And so we've been going through different um, tools, different foundations in order to have a thriving community. If you've missed any of the past few um, sermons, I highly encourage you to check those out on our podcast. They, they somewhat build off of each other to kind of establish what we're talking about. So as JP said at the beginning, this TV is acting up. Um, so that one's not working today, but this one is. And so we're going to, if, you, if you're over here, you can look over here. I'm sorry if I'm in your, if I'm in your point of view. But um, yes, yeah, so I, I want to talk really simple message, to be honest with you. I want to talk to you about living unoffended. Living uh, with a heart that is not easily offendable. Um, It is very, very easy in society. It's almost celebrated if you get offended and choose to kind of almost hide behind offense. Um, 
it is, it's really easy for something to go wrong in your life and you just choose to be offended. Um, in society, there's TV shows about it. It's on and on where it's almost celebrated if you're offended and there's jokes about it. In the kingdom of God, getting offended is a really, really, really bad thing. Offense is like a gateway drug, if you will, to an onslaught of negative emotions in your life. We're going to go over some scripture here in a second. I'll, I'll show you that. But it, when you are someone who is easily offended, it is showing root issues in your heart that, that we need to get rid of. So in the Bible, in the original language in Greek, the word offense comes from the word stumbling block. So when Jesus would use the word offense, which two different stories, it comes up, the word offense or offended comes up. We're about to read those. It, it, it was, this is kind of sad, but this is where it came from. Blind people would walk, and as they're walking, people would throw, like, blocks in front of them or sticks, pieces of wood, and the people would laugh at them. And that was called a stumbling block. So you could look at it like um, someone who doesn't see clearly or someone who doesn't fully understand something, and they easily get tripped up. So when someone does something to you and you don't fully understand and you easily get tripped up, that is what offense is in the original language. Just put my own language to it. Offense is literally a fence between you and God. It is a fence between you and other people. It creates walls between you and someone else when you choose to get offended with someone. And ultimately, offense makes you a victim. See, if, you, if you're someone who's easily offended, what you're saying is that I'm powerless and I can't fix the situation, so I'm just going to choose to be offended, if that makes sense to you. If, you. if you take offense and you allow it to sit in your heart, what you're saying is I'm not a powerful enough person to have a conversation about it, or I'm not a powerful enough person to just overcome the offense. And it puts you in a victim posture, not in a posture of being someone who's living in victory. So I, the... I, this isn't a five-step sermon on how to not be offended. The purpose of the sermon is just don't get offended. <laughs> Can we just, that's it. I'm about to show you in Scripture. Just live a life where you are not offended. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so I'm going to read just a couple of Scriptures here, and then we'll jump into the life of Jesus and, and go from there. Um, I'm going to pull up first be Proverbs 19.11. So a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook a transgression. So it is a man's discretion to make him slow to anger. So I want you to think about that. People are going to make mistakes. People are going to hurt you. People are going to do things that you wish they didn't do. And it's, it's, it shows wisdom to be slow to anger. It shows wisdom to have discernment and not just lash out, not just choose to be offended in response and anger. And, it's, and it, it is to his glory to overlook a transgression. When someone has wronged you or done something offensive to you, it is, brings glory to God and to you when you overlook the transgression. Can, can we be people that have the capacity that even when we are justifiably wronged to overlook a transgression? The answer is yes. Um, God consistently overlooks all of our problems. God consistently overlooks our transgressions, and he loves us. And it's the same thing to be someone who has enough character who chooses to not let offense sit in our heart to overlook a transgression. Uh, I say this all the time. It takes no talent to see the problem in someone's life. Everyone can do that. 
but it does take a renewed mind to, to look past when someone offends you. It does take character, and it takes a high capacity to be someone who, man, this person offended me, whether it's right or wrong. They offended me, and I'm going to overlook the transgression because they're a human being, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Amen? All right, let's go to the next verse, 2 Timothy 2.24. Okay, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. All right, leave that up there. Um, Again, we're in the context of not being offended. So I want you to see this. So this is Timothy writing to his spiritual son, and this is in the Bible. If you're in this room, I'm assuming you agree with me that the Bible is the highest form of truth that we have. So when you pull truth from Scripture, it's not a random piece of information. It's not the news. This is our bedrock of who we are and what we're building our life and theology around. So a servant of the Lord, that's you and me, must not quarrel not being people who get into gossip and deceit and quarrel and this whole, the, the way that it's so easy, just in like an, an office culture, business culture at school, it's so easy to get into these quarrels. And he's saying, hey, you must not do that. Don't be someone who gets in quarrels. And you must be kind to everyone. This is a great tool to not be offended. Be kind. When in doubt, be kind. Um, being kind is a supreme value in the kingdom of God. I, I don't, if, if I could, kindness trumps almost everything. Somewhat people are gonna hurt and offend you. And if you function from kindness, I, I promise you, you treat people how you want to be treated. It comes back to you and kindness will come back to you. Be, be, be kind people and be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Okay. This is biblical proof that people are difficult I don't know if you figure this out I'm 36 and not everyone does what I think they should do and there's constant I mean literally daily room to get hurt and offended probably hourly it it is easy to find something to get offended by it takes again no talent at all to see something how someone has let you down and choose that to sit in your heart. So listen, uh, community is messy. Relationships are messy. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty. And it's if to be honest, the only way to avoid that is if you're, if you're going to have deep relationship, there's just going to be pain. It's just relationships take process. And we're going to have difficulties with one another. But choosing to not be people, to let offense sit on our heart. I'm going to look past your transgressions. I'm going to be kind to you in everything I do. And you're going to be a difficult person, and at times I'm going to be a difficult person, and we're going to try to overcome those things. Amen? There's a hundred scriptures like this. I just picked two of them. There's another scripture where, where Paul tells Timothy, above all else, just, Timothy, guard your heart. So in this context, don't let offense get in your heart. Don't let offense get in your heart. Okay. But shifting just a little bit, in my opinion, this is all throughout Scripture. If you are someone who gets easily offended relationally this way, it's showing a root in your belief system this way with God. You you manifest your relationship with God towards other people. For example, if you think God is angry, you'll see people who fully believe God is angry. They manifest in anger. If you feel like God is distant, a lot of times people are distant. And if you're someone who gets easily offended, 
in my opinion, it's showing a bigger root cause of being easily offended at God. But here's the deal. To the measure in which you trust God is the measure in which you get to live unoffended. If you trust God to a certain amount, that is the amount that you get to live unoffended. If you trust, to the measure in which you trust God and trust other people, you get to live unoffended. Offense covers, trust covers offense. It's easy to get offended when there's no trust involved. And I strongly desire to be a community that just ha- that we are not people who are easily offended. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray for us, and we'll jump into some more scripture. God, I pray that we would be people who understand this, that we'd be people who are not easily offended. And I just pray that you would put on our heart um, the capacity to look past people's transgressions. Um, put us in the right direction. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, how many of you are competitive? The competitive people are like, yeah, raise my hand. How many of you have played paintball before? How many of you regretted playing paintball the next day after you played it? But some of us uh, in the guys group went and played paintball yesterday. Look at that picture. Come on now. You see that? Is there like a grunt or something, like a manly thing? It was, uh, it was intense. I am, uh, the reason why I'm so excited about the Holy Spirit yoga is because I can barely move this morning um, from all the intensity. There was, uh, was full-blown combat, shooting one another, adrenaline gets going, and you just disregard your body, and you throw it in a million different ways. I, uh, I'm that kind of guy where I'm not in like great shape, and then the moment hits, and I'm going 100% for it. But um, yet they, they, they set all these rules up at the, at the core. So you, you show up and you sign like a 50-page waiver, uh, which basically says you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And then we go and they do this like tactical training where the guy's explaining how not to lose an eyeball. And I'm sitting there thinking, we just need to cancel this and go get coffee. Why, why are a bunch of 40-year-old men getting together to go, to go hurt each other? I'm thinking liability. This is a church event. This is going to be very bad. I'm going to regret this the next day. But true story. I have the microphone, so this has to be true. Uh, we played Capture the Flag, and uh, we won the first game due to this epic. I jumped over this, like, four-foot barrier. In the moment, it felt like such a good idea. Running as fast as I can with the flag, getting shot in the back. And I leaped over the barrier and landed 100% on my side. Didn't feel it in the moment. You know, adrenaline's going. I get home. The, uh, on the way home, my knee was hurting to the point where I could, when I was pushing the pedal, I could feel it. I'm like telling Stacy, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in bad shape. But it felt really good in the moment. But anyway, they, they go through all these rules, and you have rules which you can and can't do. <clears throat> and a lot of them are for your safety, and you should abide by these rules. Well, one of the rules was that you can't shoot someone closer than 20 feet. And it's kind of like man code, like, hey, like, you know, if you get, like, closer to where me and JPR, you're not supposed to be shooting each other. There's a 20-foot rule. So um, we have a, f- a former SWAT, East Baton Rouge Parish SWAT member in our church, Mr. Paul Brown back there. Uh, he knows that that is a creeper stash, and he says that. Don't let him scare you uh, when you see that. He's a, he's a security guard here. I'm just kidding. We love, your, we love your mustache, Paul. A lot of the guys have mustaches. Have y'all seen Brett's mustache? Man, that is a serious stash. Look, everyone, look at Dave's in the back. Look at this guy. 
that mustache makes Dave look like he's from the other side of the, the world. <laughs> so funny. So my strategy, I'm, you know, I'm 6'4", I'm not the fastest guy out there, so my strategy is to take it slow the whole time. And Paul's just like sniping people the whole day. It's completely unfair. It could have been Paul versus everyone, and it would have been, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. Finally, we just got to the point where the whole plan was everyone just go get Paul. Like we just shoot Paul, and we'll figure the rest out. So it's like we're, we're playing. It's like the first game. Remember, this 20-foot rule is a boundary that is set by the people who are there. And so I'm hiding behind this threshold, which means I'm scared and I don't know what I'm doing. Paul's like 15 feet away in his, and his is like tactical. He knows exactly where I am and exactly his next move, you know. So I'm sitting here just like, I don't know what to do. Paul's going to get me, you know, just <laughs> dead in the water. And Paul just makes this run for it, and he starts running, and I have no idea he's coming. And I look to the side, and there's Paul, and he starts shooting me, and I start shooting him. And he was like six feet away from me. And, th- and this is what it looks like. All right, so I say that to say that I'm offended <laughs> at Paul. And Paul is banned from all men's group activities from here on out, regardless of his skill set. He, he will have nothing to do with anything with men's group ever again because of this giant whelp on my arm that was uh, from six feet away. The ref called it a duel. He said y'all shot each other at the same time. I think he was being kind because I got hit like 50 times. I'm shooting like just everywhere like this. Paul's just right on top of me just <laughs> shooting me with, with the mustache. It was an overwhelming moment. Uh, no, I, I say that to say that. As funny as that, as that is, is, is these little bitty boundaries that get crossed in our life, like a 20-foot rule. And I so easily could have just been so upset with Paul. Put, put that into normal life. Like, we were like, why did that person say that? Like, why did they say bye like that? Or they didn't compliment my shirt. I'm being, I'm serious. Like, we're, we're like these, we're, we're all trying to not be, but we're insecure people around each other all the time. And we get so easily offended at one another when someone says the wrong thing. We're, we're, we all psychoanalyze ourselves more than we should. And it's so easy to just look at someone and get offended. Like, I have, I've worked through my inner healing. I'm no longer upset with Paul. I'm joking. I had no offense toward Paul. I thought it was an awesome moment. I was just kind of being funny. But it's true. But, but living life where we're just easily, we're not easily offended. Okay, I want to show you two stories in the life of Jesus that are stunning stories. There's two stories in the four Gospels of the life of Jesus where the word offended or offense comes up. And so I want to share with you some of those. Let me give you a, a little bit of background. Okay. Jesus and John the Baptist were born at the same time. They marry and Elizabeth were the moms. And both of them were of supernatural birth, if you will. God had given a lot of prophecies over both, their, both of their births to a point when Mary and Elizabeth, their moms, came together, Jesus and John the Baptist were leaping in the womb towards one another. There was so much destiny, there was so much covenant that the Bible says that they were, I don't know how to explain it, they were just jumping towards each other in excitement over what was to come. So from a young age, they were called to do life together. And, I mean, it's just a really cool story. Move forward a little bit. The Bible says that John the Baptist was going to be a forerunner or a trailblazer for Jesus. He was going to pave a way in the wilderness 
for Jesus to come behind him to fulfill his destiny. And the, the God told John the Baptist, the way you're going to know who the Messiah is, is you're gonna, as you baptize people, I'll tell you when you see him. And so John the Baptist is going around in the wilderness. <clears throat> this is right before Jesus started his ministry. Jesus was probably 28, 29 years old. And John the Baptist is in the wilderness. They said he was a, a, a wild man of, who ate locusts and honey and would baptize people in the woods and so you can imagine it. He knows that he's going to meet the Messiah from baptizing him. And so all these people are coming, and he's baptizing them and in, a, in a light way. You could imagine him baptizing, saying, okay, you're not the Messiah. Keep going. You're not the Messiah. Keep going. That type of thing. I'm sure he enjoyed every moment of it. But at some point, he's obviously looking for Jesus. Well, Jesus walks up, and the Father speaks to him. And he says, hey, there's the Lamb of God. He's going to take away the sins of the world. And everyone's watching. And he had pre beforehand had said, hey, there's one coming that is greater than me. And so Jesus walks up. They have this moment where Jesus actually baptizes. I'm sorry, where John actually baptizes Jesus. If you could just t- pause for that story. I want you to see this moment. This is Jesus, perfect in all of his ways, full authority. And he comes to John the Baptist. And John says, hey, I need you to baptize me. John says, hey, I'm not worthy to tie your shoes. I shouldn't baptize you. And Jesus says, no, this is the right thing. The humility of Jesus in this moment to yield to John to fulfill the plan. I say that to say that there are times in your life where God will ask you to yield to someone who you may be greater than in other areas. There are times that the humility to say, I need what this person carries I need what this person has more than the arrogance of my life to say, I'm, I'm, I have everything I need. And Jesus came into alignment with John and allowed John to baptize him. I just think that's absolutely amazing. So he, John baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit ascends on him like a dove. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness, comes back out and starts his ministry. So him and John have these ministries going at the same time. Fast forward a couple years. John's now in prison, about to be beheaded. Jesus is out doing his ministry, and this is what Scripture says. So pull that up, Josh, Matthew 11. Okay. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach to their cities. Now when John, while imprisoned, heard the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or shall we whoop go back? Are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Okay, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Okay. This is John in prison. He's in prison, about to be beheaded. Jesus is the one who sets captives free. There's miracle stories of Jesus setting prisoners free. John's aware of that. He's fully aware of the power of Jesus. And John sends some of his people who work for him and says, go ask him if that's the Messiah or not. And Jesus says, well, go, go tell him what you see. And then this amazing verse at the end where Jesus says, and, and and blessed is the one who doesn't take offense at me. What an, what an amazing little tag there. Listen, John's in prison. 
Jesus is the all-powerful one who sets captives free. John's in prison, and now John's offended that he's in prison. And he sends word to Jesus, and he says, uh, he sends word through his servants and says, ask him if he's the Savior or not. And Jesus says, well, just tell him what you see, and, and tell him he'd be better off if he wasn't offended. <laughs> Are you getting this tension that, that you're experiencing here? John is in prison, about to be beheaded. Jesus is not in prison and has all power to take him out from other stories. And John's in here, and he's getting offended. And Jesus says to him, hey, blessed is the man who doesn't take offense at me. The word is actually happy. You'd be much more happier if you didn't get offended at me. All right, here's the deal. I don't know how to explain all that. I just know that it was important enough to Jesus to say, tell John to, don't get a, to not be offended. So listen, when you have a theology or a belief, but your circumstances or your situation doesn't line up, you get to choose to be offended or you get to choose to trust. John's in prison and he's getting offended. I'd probably be in the same thing. John, if John's watching from heaven, John, I'm not judging you. <laughs> John's offended in prison and Jesus is saying, you're going to be way better off, John. You'd be a lot more happy if you didn't get offended. You know what that says to me? Don't get offended. Choose to live in mystery or choose to live in blind trust before you let offense enter your heart. Listen, I, when I was 16, I hurt my back really bad. I, was, I, loved, I used to play sports all the time. I hurt my back really bad. Most, uh, every, actually, everyone told me I should get surgery. I'm missing almost the lower three discs in my back. Still today, they're, they're not, almost not there. And I remember at a young age when that happened, I couldn't play sports. I had to stand in cl during class. I, it was just not fun, honestly. Shooting pain down my leg for years. Honestly, it lasted for about 10 years until I found stretching and yoga. I'm just going to be 100% honest with you. That's why we're doing things like nourish. But for I was just miserable. My back was always miserable, on and off of pain pills. It was just, just not good. And I remember when I first got the news, I didn't know anything. And I was offended at God. Like, you let this happen to me. As I got older and I realized, oh, wait, God hates sickness. God doesn't want me to not have discs in my back. Now I get to choose. Am I going to be offended at God or am I going to get to choose to just trust? And whatever you have to do in your heart to get offense away, I, I, I promise you it's worth it. I get to live in blind faith and trust with God that he's the healer even when I don't experience it. It is such a peaceful place to be. The mystery of, I don't understand. I'm not paid to understand. What a release. I don't have to understand everything. I just know I'm not going to get offended. And when you get offended towards God, it puts walls up between you and God. People all the time, it turns into the religious spirit. They're, they're offended at a situation in their life. And ultimately what they are is they're offended at God. God, why didn't you put me in a different family? God, why didn't you help me financially? God, why did this person get hurt? Here's the answer. I don't know. But I refuse to be offended by it. Happy is the man who finds the pocket to not live offended. If you want to be happy, don't be offended. That's a good word. The Christian life is called the faith because we're not going to understand everything. 
logic and faith war against one another. Look, I'm, I'm extremely logical in one sense. Like, I'm aware of almost everything I believe. It sounds just absolutely crazy. Like, let's just be honest. Like, we believe in an invisible God. And we believe in the Bible. We believe in supernatural activity. Logically, that's like totally just kooky behavior. And I think if you can't decipher between those two, I'm not sure you're living by faith. So to look at it and say, yeah, this is crazy. I'm going to believe it. That's faith. To assume, to not be aware that it might be a little crazy, I'm not sure you're living by faith. <laughs> you may just be running off of blind energy. I don't, I don't know what you would be doing. But, but the, whole, the whole purpose is, as logic and faith are fighting, choosing to get to a point where you stop and faith starts. Like, I, I don't understand past this point, but I'm going to trust. And I will not let offense get in my heart. If you want to, I've prayed for a lot of people and seen a lot of supernatural activity. And if you want to touch people and see their bodies get better, I promise you, you have to understand to not get offended at God when you don't see it happen. There is no way around it because you're going to pray for 100 people and you're going to see two people get better. And you got 98% to say, well, it's not true. It didn't happen. And you get to choose how you're going to live in that moment. Okay. Please don't be offended at God. Remember, the moral of this, this sermon is don't get offended. All right, I'm going to show you one more verse, how offense can block relationship and block what's good on your life to get into my life. Okay, Jesus is walking around. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's feeding the poor. He's loving the loveless. He's doing all this stuff. And he goes back home, and he wants to keep doing the exact same thing. He, he has full desire to go back to his hometown and keep doing the ministry that he's been doing. And this is what happens. It's uh, Matthew 13, verse 53. There we go. All right. When Jesus had finished these parables, so he's teaching from wisdom, he departed from there. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. They were shocked by the revelation that he had. He said, and they say this, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And this next line, and they took offense at him. Okay, just pause right there. Familiarity steals influence and it creates offense. They knew Jesus. This is how victims think. I have people in my life doing amazing things. And if you're smart and you live from victory, you think, man, that's awesome. I want to catch what that person is doing. If you're a victim, you say, how did he get that? He didn't work hard for that. That's not fair. When you get into that thing, like you haven't seen someone in five years and you see them and they're really thriving, you're like, well, that's not, how did he get that? That's not fair. And it walls off you from getting the call and the destiny on someone else's life. So Jesus comes in, and they're like, wait, 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 wait. I know this guy. I, I, uh, we grew up with him, right? His dad. I know his dad. Yeah, I know his sisters. They live here with us. How do you get these things? An offense came. Okay. They started stumbling over what they didn't understand, and they walled their heart off towards Jesus. I'll just remind you. This is Jesus, fully God, capable of doing anything. 
And this, look right here. So, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. I promise you it wasn't Jesus's desire to not do many miracles. There was so much offense taking place. It limited what God could do. Please, please get this. If you are offended at God or someone else, it limits the amount of influence that can have in your life. Did you get that? Listen, I've known some of you in the room for 30 years. Familiarity could rob all of the influence that you could have in my life. It, it, I, I could be offended so easily. At, oh yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just him. I've known him forever. That's just what he does. That's what his family does. And, and be offended at what you have and I don't have. And it puts up a wall between you and, between you and me or, and vice versa. Being offended ruins relationships, and it ruins a move of God. So I'm not doing church because it's fun, although I do enjoy it. I am not doing church for the sake of having a church. I want the presence of God with us, and I want to have a thriving community that is experiencing revival. And according to this scripture, living offended limits that. Actually, according to the scripture, it almost completely kills it. So what's the moral of the story? Don't get offended. <laughs> Do whatever you can in your heart to not have offense towards God and offense towards other people. If you open yourself up to offense, it leads to things like unbelief, bitterness, resentment, so on and so forth. And I don't want that. The level that you trust God and trust other people is the level that you get to live unoffended. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.